Welcome to the Mandy Trapp Podcast. My name is, of course, Mandy Trapp, and I am a busy mom of three, a mindfulness coach, and the founder of Lifestyle Meditation. I believe that all of us, whether you know it or not, are on a journey. A journey to find out who we are, why we're here, and how to get what we really want. But to know all of this, I know that we must get quiet enough to hear the answers. Sometimes these answers come from somewhere deep within ourselves, and other times we find the answers in listening to the stories of others. This podcast is all about taking you beyond the idle and sometimes distracting chatter of the mind and introducing you to new and creative ways of seeing the world, yourself, and even the problems that you face. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let the experience begin. In 1957, an entire monastery in Thailand was being relocated by a group of monks. One day, they were moving a giant clay Buddha when one of the monks noticed a large crack in the clay. On closer investigation, he saw that there was a golden light that was emanating from that crack. And that monk used a hammer and a chisel to chip away at the clay exterior until he revealed that the statue was in fact made of solid gold. Now, historians believe that the Buddha had been covered by clay by these Thai monks several hundred years earlier to protect it from the attack by the Burmese army. And in the attack, all of the monks had been killed, and it wasn't until later, several, several years later, that this giant treasure was actually discovered. Now, this story is one that I allude to um, during my conversation in this podcast episode with my dear friend, Belen Esbister. And really what it speaks to is this beautiful metaphor, even though it's a true story, it's a beautiful metaphor for each and every single one of us that continues to cover ourselves up with clay in thinking that that will make us happier, that that will allow us to feel more fulfilled, and that that will allow us to become more connected to the world around us. Why? Because we try to mask who we really are so that we can blend in and that we can fit in and hopefully find some sense of home in the world around us. Sometimes we go through these events in our life where all of a sudden, all of the covering becomes stripped away. We get our identities taken away when one of our relationships changes. Sometimes our economic standing changes as well. And slowly, slowly, bit by bit, piece by piece, we start to unbecome who we think that we are or who we think that we should be and we reveal more of who we really are. And in that too, there can be, I was gonna say there is, there can be a lot of discomfort, a lot of pain, a lot of separation and isolation as we begin to stand out. But it's also in those moments where we also begin to really recognize who it is that is attracted to that shiny golden light interior of who we really are. And when we allow ourselves to be really seen and to be connected in this space, the space that is unchanging, that is ever-present and so true to who you are, I think that this is when we really find our place in this world. We begin to shine our light, but we also begin to attract the light of others and we can meet others there as well. And then ultimately we find our sense of home in the world. In this episode, I talked to one of my dear friends, Blen Isbister. Blen is from Madrid. She moved to the booming and bustling land of Fort McMurray in Alberta in the early 2000s. Why? For love. Isn't that why most of us leave? 
<laughs> she came for love. And in that was on a journey, one that she had no idea what was going to happen. Now, she doesn't necessarily speak to the specifics of what went down for herself and for her husband and for her family. But if I was to share just a little bit of all of that is that I met Belen at a time where we were bumping. <laughs> I should say that business was great. The economy was great. Everybody seemed a lot happier back then. And now it's been about five or six years where there has been some hardship and affected by the crash of the economy, the loss of businesses, addiction, um, the ripping or tearing away of so many um, safety and I would just say very foundational supports is that Belen, her husband, and their child have now found their way to maybe a different sense of home. So I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation that I had with Belen and listen to the way that her heart absolutely shines just through her words. Take a listen and see how that maybe, maybe resonates with you. Hi there, welcome to the Mandy Trap podcast. My name is Mandy Trap, and on today's episode, I have one of my very best friends, my favorite, one of my favorite sisters, persons in the whole entire world. Her name is Maria Belen Isbister, better known as Belen. I've never known you as Maria. <laughs> known as Belen, and um, she was born and raised in Madrid, Spain. And how old were you, Belen, when you came to Canada? I was 33. Okay. So at the age of 33, moved from Madrid to Fort McMurray, Alberta in Canada. <laughs> and if you have ever been to the land of ice and oil, you would go, what the hell would you leave Madrid, Spain for? <laughs> and the answer, as always, is love. Mm -hmm. Love is often what moves us. And then spending a few years in Fort McMurray, coming to Edmonton, which is where I live and it's where we met and um, made our time together as precious as we could for a few years before now she has moved to Victoria, British Columbia, which is on the far west coast of Canada. And this interview is being done in person, though we could have done it over the phone because we don't live together anymore. We've been separated now for almost two years, but I flew her in tonight for one night only to surprise my daughter, who has the lead in their school's version of a famous Broadway musical called In the Heights and she goes to a pretty kick-ass art school so this is going to be a performance that is unlike anything else but um, I have to say that I am so beyond grateful that my kids mm -hmm. have other adults in their life that love them exactly the same way that we do that aunties and uncles do and I don't know about you Belen but I remember growing up and my parents friends be it you know, as kind as they were, they were always, you know, Mr. Jones or Miss Stevens. <laughs> my yeah. kids know my dear, dear friends as soul family as well. And the reaction was absolutely priceless. We videoed it and put it up on my Instagram account, my personal Instagram account, Mandy Trapp, of the reaction of my daughter seeing Belen come in mm. for this. This was her big gift for tonight. So we're so excited to go to the show and the show in the Heights actually it holds this whole beautiful theme about coming home, mm -hmm. which ironically, but I don't believe that anything is ironic. It's always just the way that the universe works. Is um that's exactly what I feel that Belen is. She being with her feels like home for me. So having her, 
in my bedroom right now as we lay on my bed. I've never recorded a podcast episode on my bed with my cat on my lap, <laughs> as sisters do. But thank you so much for being here. Just thank you for having me. Like, in general, being here. I'm so excited thank you. that you're here. It feels very surreal thank to be you. in the same Thank you. Space I, I cannot you. thank you enough. And I'm so grateful to be here today. Yeah. It's one of the best gifts yeah. I can have. It is. That's, I think that's the best thing that money is for. If ever you wish for money, wish for money so that you can use it to buy a plane ticket. Absolutely. <laughs> to be with people that you love. <sighs> Tell me a little bit about growing up in Spain. Yeah, I, I am the third one of four kids. Yeah. Uh, I have th- two more sisters older than me. And my brother is younger, although everybody thought that we were twins. <laughs> and you wouldn't think that now. But um, growing up in Spain, I had the best of everything. I had the best of a beautiful life in a city, in a big city like Madrid. But I also I was so lucky to be able to spend the weekends in the village. Yes. So I had, I believe I always had the best of both. Yeah. Because I was living in the city through the week and I was able to take away, go away for the weekends to the mountains, to the rivers. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And so you said that you left Spain when you were 33. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. And I know that you go back to visit your family because your siblings and your father, so your mother, your passed quite some time mm-hmm. ago. They're still, so does it still feel like home when you go back or does it feel different? Uh, Spain is going to be always in my blood. Yeah. But um, I became Canadian recently. Yeah. So, and I named it <laughs> Spanish by heart. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Spanish by blood, Canadian by heart. Oh. So I'm divided. Yeah. I, I'm never going to be the same. But does it feel like a sense of division where you, I don't know, how am I trying to say? like I belong you know, to both. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. It's, it's not even a division. No. There's, there's a harmony now oh, yes. in having one foot in one yes. world and one foot in yes. the other and being able to feel a sense of home. Yes. I can never, if I was going back to Spain, yeah. I cannot take Canada from me. Yeah. But I still have. Spain on me. So what are some of the things that you miss most about Spain? Um, well, my sisters, of course, yeah. but I have other old sisters. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. Uh, I miss a little bit the culture. Yeah. I miss... But I found that on you. Like Did coming you? home. Yes. Yeah. I miss showing up yeah. in a house and all have to make an appointment or did that surprise you about Canada when you got here that we weren't really as much as we are kind of deemed to be some of the most friendly people in the world it's really not an open door policy no because life is busy here yeah I feel in Spain we we live and work Mm -hmm. but in a different sense here is more work 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 yeah and there's not much time for for the living part. Yeah. Yeah, we don't take that time, that's yeah. for sure. So there you were, young and single. <laughs> <laughs> and so that young. young strapping Canadian boy came over 
And caught your eye, mm-hmm. caught your heart, mm-hmm. and dragged you to all places in the world of Fort McMurray, Alberta. Okay, I want to know, as a girl who grows <laughs> up in the highly cultured, <laughs> trendy um, city of Madrid, oh, what were your first thoughts and feelings when you got off the plane in Fort McMurray? Well, first of all, in my world's dreams, I would never think I would live in Canada. <laughs> yeah. And less in Fort McMurray, mm-hmm. but I was told it was promised land. <laughs> ah, interesting. <laughs> and it was interesting to arrive on uh, March 5th mm-hmm. of 2012. <laughs> um, 2004, what I'm yeah. talking about. I don't know what you're oh talking gosh. about. Yeah. Um, it was a snow. Yes. It was so many tracks. I couldn't see women, <laughs> uh, no many people in the streets. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. Did you start to cry? Uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Did you, want, did you want to run away? No. No? No, it was the beginning of the relation and uh, no. Yes. And so even though you spoke English, you felt that there was a language barrier? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, can you tell the funny story about, yes. so, about the language and the yes. accent? So yeah. I move in a moment that everybody used mics. So yeah. my husband used to own a company and run a business with many people that come to work, came yeah. to work from um, East, East Canada. Yeah, Eastern Canada. Eastern Canada. So many of them, they were from Newfoundland. And I thought I understood English, but I couldn't. Through the mic, I couldn't understand what they were saying. It took me a year. The people in Western Canada don't understand what people from Eastern Canada are saying, so, let alone having Spanish as your, yes. your primary language. So it was many barriers. So many people that thought I was, I was French. Yeah. Many people thought I was from Mexico <laughs> or from other places yeah. in South America, yeah. which is a lot offended we are all latinos but uh i said no i'm from spain yeah and uh yeah interesting mm-hmm. yeah. okay so you spent a few years in fort mcmurray mm-hmm. and then you came to edmonton mm-hmm. and when you left fort mcmurray did you feel were you sad did you feel a sense of no. leaving a community no, no you didn't have any solid roots or anything like that no. and it and that doesn't surprise me because it's a very transient place mm-hmm. The majority of the people that that work there don't live there full time, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's a heavy, um, oil production. You know they're they're digging for, for oil and those types of things there. So there's a lot of people that are coming in, of course from Eastern Canada, but from everywhere else mm-hmm. in Canada and and beyond, doing their little shifts, right? The kind of high fiving on the highway. You're five days in, five days out. You know, two weeks in, two weeks out. And so were you quite happy to make a move to somewhere that felt a little bit... Yes, I wanted more community. Yeah. I, we have... Our daughter was born in Fort McMurray, yeah. so of course I will never forget that. Yeah. But I wanted more rooted. I wanted to be more in a place that I feel more like home. Yeah. And I didn't know what I was going yeah. to, to see <laughs> and be... And believe it or not, I, I miss Edmonton every day. Yeah. And not only Edmonton, I miss the community, I mm. miss my tribe, I miss my girls, my friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your time in Edmonton, tell me what were some of the most 
profound memories or things that you learned about yourself? Well, I got into Edmonton and I got into a big depression. Yeah. And it was really hard because it was a moment that I didn't know a lot of people. Yeah. And it was really hard for me and a people person. Like, I like to be around people. Um, it was really hard mm-hmm. until I met you. <laughs> <laughs> and everything changed. Yeah. And what started to change for you? Uh, belonging, sense yeah. of community. Um, I learned to meditate. Mm-hmm. Uh, EO was a very big thing for us. Mm-hmm. That's the entrepreneurs the organization. organization. And sense of community. Yeah. I cannot forget that. Absolutely. One of the fundamental human needs that we have is that need to belong. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time because of those five primary beliefs or beliefs, sorry, um, needs that we have. I really believe that if we could just, if we could just nail down the belonging piece, Mm -hmm. everything else, like the safety and the love and the feeling seen and heard or understood, I feel like all of that just comes, Mm -hmm. right? But that need to belong and to feel a sense of home somewhere. And, you know, isn't it interesting because you bring up the entrepreneurs organization. So that's really where Belen and I had met. Both of our husbands were, um, were quite successful entrepreneurs and, you know, in these big industries that were heavily influenced by oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And um, we were meeting a lot of other people that had very similar situations, right? And, you know, on one hand, it then becomes very difficult for you to relate to and connect to other friends who aren't living that entrepreneurial lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because there's a whole lot of dynamics that come with all of that, that actually I would love to talk about you and I were talking about that at lunch on the way here um, and you're immediately surrounded by all of these people that are making money and have the houses and are taking the trips and you know have the things and you start to feel that oh wow this looks great like maybe I should be doing this too and you did it and I did it mm-hmm. but as you and I are reflecting right now from where we're at in our life like 12 years later 13 years later is there was such a deep sense of of unfulfillment, not feeling fulfilled by that, feeling empty, feeling disconnected. And I think that's actually when you and I got the closest, Mm -hmm. um, was kind of through all of that and trying to find our way into something that felt solid and something that felt real. Mm -hmm. Are you you cool? Do you want to share a little bit about the outside version of the world versus what was really happening for you and for your family? Yes, yeah. I'm totally open to, to do it. Um, I believe the, the life of an entrepreneur is, is very high highs and lows are yeah. very low. Yeah. And I think I have, I have experienced both. Yeah. Both ends. And at the end of the day, what the most important are your friends mm-hmm. and your community and your family. Everything else is comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And that includes people that you thought were friends or maybe more convenient connections. Yes. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you've been through where it has led you to really know who? Uh, who's there so for you? many f- friends that I thought they were friends. Yeah. I never saw them again. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Yeah. I'm totally cool with that. And 
who they are my friends they're always gonna be there yeah wherever I go mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. so that being said what you have shared with me is one of you believe one of your biggest karmas or one of your big lessons in this life is about letting go yes <laughs> is learning detachment uh-huh. learning detachment yeah so give us some like very real tangible examples of where you have had to <laughs> or been forced uh, to detach um nathan and me we went to uh one big chopra conference for our it was on our 10th anniversary. I chose to do that. And coming home, it was your husband who asked me, Belen, what is your take mm-hmm. on this? And I said, you know, Jon, I think I have to work on attachment. <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew what was coming when you said that. Yes, if I only knew what it was coming. And I don't know, I made this, I create this person who I thought that was who I was, mm-hmm. uh, having this house, driving this car, belonging to these places, and everything was gone. Mm-hmm. And who I was at that moment then, who is left, mm-hmm. the real me. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because mm-hmm. I have those attachments, but really and truly that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. The reality is that you wake up every day, you are still alive, mm-hmm. and you can breathe, mm-hmm. and you can go to work, and have food in the table. Yeah. And, yeah. So on one of those high, high days, when you say that you've experienced the highs, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows, what would the highest of the high day look like? And then for you, what has the lowest of the low day looked like? Well, perhaps one of the highest of the highest days was from in one day traveling from an amazing place to another amazing place mm-hmm. and being in this five-star mm-hmm. hotel or, or place. And then right now I'm, I'm working in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and I'm okay. I mm-hmm. have two hands, I have my legs, head and unhealthy mm-hmm. so unable to to provide mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it's my lowest um, the attachment is gone yeah yeah and and so now yeah you're saying that I'm okay with that because I know that I'm not defined by the fact that even though I used to have millions of dollars to do whatever I wanted to do and now I'm working for minimum wage in a kitchen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I think this is the part that I absolutely like admire about you so much is you're saying it's okay. It is okay. And I want to know, how do you know, how do you know that, that it's okay for you? You know, Mandy, I think I am, I am that yeah. and I'm not that. I am all and I'm nothing. So yeah. when we start our meditations, I will say, who am I? Yes, I'm a mom and a daughter and a partner and a friend but I'm more than all of that mm-hmm. and I not define myself for just being in the kitchen it's just a period mm-hmm. everything comes and goes and 
I can do it and, and I'm proud of doing it. And yeah. it's okay now I'm doing that, but next month I perhaps I'll be doing something else. Yeah. And at the same time I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Yeah. I love the people that I'm around with and it's all good. And that's the gift. Yes. Right? The gift again is coming back into community and it looks different. It looks different. It's not the sitting at the fancy dinner party where everybody's eating lobster and caviar and, you know, has their fancy indoor shoes. That's the part that always used to kill me. It's like, let me just slip out of these $500 outside shoes and slip into my $1,000 inside shoes. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the interesting piece about you and I is that even though the environment might have looked like that, that we're just looking like can I just take my shoes off right now and be barefoot and cross my legs on the chair and you know I think getting rid of some of those aspects that aren't you and I mean don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong if with you you know in your most favorite pair of one thousand dollars I don't think that's the point no I think the point is in saying you know don't want for these luxurious experiences don't want for any of that but if that is what you were using to define yourself that comes and it goes so quickly, right? Right, And, you know, the piece that I admire about both you and your husband is the fact that you have had all of the stuff, all of the things, and now to watch you guys in a time where you have been stripped of all of that, I am so grateful that I have had the opportunity to know who you are without it. Mm-hmm. because there is there's an even greater richness to it mm-hmm. you know there's the whole story and I for right now where where this went down is totally slipping my mind it was somewhere in Asia you know so 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 many years ago where um, the crusaders were coming in and they were taking everything um, from these these villagers from these people and everything and anything that had any value and there was this huge great big golden Buddha hmm. and so in defense of this great big golden buddhas all of the villagers and all of the monks began to cover it in mud Mm. you need to see that it doesn't have any value and of course you know crusaders come in they see oh it's just this big buddha statue and i can't remember how many feet tall it was but it was massive massively huge and um they they ride right past it because they think that there's there's no value to it only for you know several years later several like if not hundreds of years later, um, for, you know, archaeologists or whoever, you know, was there, started to chip away at this thing only to see that it was made up of real gold, Hmm. right? And right now in this moment, like the actual details are eluding me, which actually I think is quite insignificant. The point of the story is, is that when we think that we, we do these things or we buy these things or we adorn our environment, is that that kind of overshadows the true goal that's inside of all of us. I love that. Isn't that such an incredible story? But I feel that, I feel that about you and about Nathan is that I am so grateful that I could see that before I could see the gold Mm -hmm. and I would say the other stuff was the mud, (laughs) (laughs) even though in a funny way, the mud looked really expensive and shiny to so many people but now you've been washed clean mm. and the gold is really the shiny part, right? And I think for so many people is every time they look in the mirror, they see themselves with the mud and they're like, this is who I am. This is who I am. And then 
life and circumstance comes and it cleans it off and they can't see the true value underneath because they've been told that the mud is the valuable part, Mm -hmm. not the gold inside. Mm -hmm. And that is how I see you guys. You're even shinier than you ever have been before Mm -hmm. because there's not the distraction of all the other stuff. and, And I get to see how much resilience you have and how much perseverance you have to keep walking this path because I know it hasn't been easy. And I couldn't do it alone. There's no way. I couldn't. And I have to tell, you don't need to do it alone. No. You need that support, that uh, village. Yeah. Those really good friends, that tribe Mm -hmm. that is going to hold you. Yeah. I couldn't do it alone. So I would say in one of the darkest times for both you and your husband, because he really went through, he went through his own Mm -hmm. breakdown through all of this and is, is breaking through and, you know, putting himself back together. But in the darkest of places, you guys left your community. Yes. And so in you saying, I didn't do it alone, what did that look like for you? But what I mean is, uh, I didn't do it alone when we left. Right. Before we left, I had the support yeah. of my tribe. Yeah. And I could never survive without you guys. Yeah. And it was hard moving, moving yeah. apart. It was really hard, but it was needed. Remember, you used to cry every single day. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it was, it was. I but know you it was required, and, and it was needed at that moment. Yeah, it was needed, and you know, you just. So why do you say that it was needed? What have you, uh, have you learned about yourself or about that experience that has been necessary? Uh, oof. Not having you girls daily, yeah. You had to get up every day and say, "Okay, I had to put myself together." Yeah. And this is who I am. They are with me, mm-hmm. and you're gonna go out, and you're gonna be who you are, mm-hmm. and be kind, be personable, and start putting names to the faces that you see, mm. and that's what is making me, again, different than Edmonton, but. You recognize faces with names in Victoria, and for me, it's very important. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to create your own little community or tribe yes. there, which I have to say though, that's also just a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Is that you do take that risk to start a conversation, and you do make the effort to invite people over and and to cook and to bring them to you, to your table. And do you think that that's you, or do you think that that's more of where you came from is that more of the Spanish way? I think it's me, and I talk to anybody. Yeah, I talk, I talk to people in the streets mm-hmm. that they are there for many reasons, mm-hmm. but they're humans. Yeah, and I talk to I don't know whoever is in a dress up really nice that we don't know what he's doing. Yeah, uh, my dad always told me, trade others how do you want to be trade. And it works. Yeah. I love that. But not everybody is like that. And I think there's a lot of people that really struggle. And sometimes they've they've gone away from home and it's been five years or 10 years or 20 years. And they still feel lonely and isolated. They don't meet other people. And that's just the truth. That is just the way that some people are. Mm -hmm. And what would you say to them? What would be some best practices for them outside of just... We'll just start a conversation. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What have been some of your best practices that have given you 
maybe the confidence or the ability to see, like you said, I see somebody on the street and we're just human. Well, just look at, look at it the eyes. Like make eye contact. Mm-hmm. We are all humans. Mm-hmm. We need love. And we need to be loved. Yeah. It doesn't matter where are you from. Yeah. Just make eye contact. Yeah. And that breaks the language barrier right I there. Know, you right? don't even need to speak about it. <laughs> yes. You don't even need to speak about it. Yes. And I know too, and you and you haven't talked about this all that much, and I want to ask you a little bit more about it, is that um, I feel that it was absolute divine timing that before so much of this interesting, we'll just call it breakdown phase in your life and mm-hmm. breakthrough phase, is that you started a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Both you and your husband started mm-hmm. a meditation practice. And it's not just the practice, but you guys were also very committed to then sitting in the seat of the witness and living a more mindful life, owning your shit, you know, owning your addictions, owning your reactions. Mm-hmm. And that that has been super helpful for you as well. Absolutely. What is your what is your meditation practice look like? It's incredible. I it's been it's been hell. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. If with if I didn't have the meditation, I would be st- struggling more than I had. Mm-hmm. Um just sitting quiet with me. Mm-hmm. And just as you teach me so many times, see everything like on a movie. And it was my life. But I just sitting there watching it without not taking or putting anything on it. Just mm-hmm. just simply watching. Just watching. Detached. 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 How have you how have you noticed the practice being, um, hmm, how do I want to ask this? How do you notice how it supported your husband through everything? Hmm. Well, he's, I started before him. Yeah. And he saw a change in me. And then he wanted to do it. Yeah. And he has helped him so much in so many ways. He said so many times, if I didn't have the practice, I couldn't be where I am. Yeah. And it's very true. Yeah. And it's about you sitting with yourself and getting quiet. Do you also feel a deeper connection to Spirit of God when you're there? Absolutely. Always. What is your relationship with God? I always, and I'm going to go back, I always was, I was a different kid. Mm -hmm. I believe, I always have faith in universe, light, uh, energy, call it, you call it. Yeah. Virgins, God. And I feel it even deeper now. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know how to call it. Yeah. You I just feel, feel it. it. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, it comes, I don't know, it's like a light, <laughs> rate of light. Yeah. That is always Coming holding there. wherever I go. Mm, like a flashlight above yeah. your head. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I feel it. You feel it. Mm-hmm. So is that, would you say that's how God communicates with you is through yeah. feeling? Yeah. Through feeling? Yeah. Any other way? 
friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Friends. Friends and connections yes. showing up. Yes. Absolutely. And so now you've been in Victoria for how long? It's going to be two years. Is it starting to feel like home yet? Um, a little. A little bit. <laughs> a little. Yeah. But what aspects are feeling like home and what parts are not feeling like home? You know, at work, I feel like home. Mm. I work with a wonderful group of people from everywhere, many Canadians, but people from China, Vietnam, uh, Central Europe. Uh, I feel like home there. We are all... I don't feel like I'm going to work, although mm-hmm. I work so hard. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, we laugh, we dance, we cry, we cook, <laughs> we yeah. cook a lot, we clean a lot. And, um, yeah, that part is, is wonderful. Yeah. And, like I said, every day I meet, I know the names of the dogs in the street. <laughs> <laughs> I know, of course, the owner, but, you know, but that's so important Put the dog for me. first. Yeah. It is important for you. So, it's so great. It is, but I want to get back mm-hmm. to, we cook. Yes. We cook. Yes. Because you are an unbelievable, I don't want to say cook, you're a chef. You're a master. You, <laughs> no, you are a master. I mean, not only does the food combine beautifully and it tastes so amazing, but you put so much attention and so much love into everything that you make. Yeah. And I think that is also who you are. Yeah. Right? And from what you have always shared with me and my experience of, visiting Spain is that that again is a huge part of that culture mm-hmm. right so that is a talent it's a gift of yours is to be able to is where you feel a deep connection mm-hmm. a sense of home and family and do you think that now you've you've had to take a job do you think that it would be different if you were say working as a checkout clerk at a mm-hmm. retail store at a grocery store and you weren't having the opportunity to cook and to do what it is that you do best yeah, it would be different because what I like is to be creative. Yes. And when they said to me, Belen, it's your day. You can do whatever you want for the special. I said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it's open and I can create. And that's what I love the most. I don't like to do, okay, here comes the fast food. Yes. And it's repetitive and it's always the same. When I get to create and do what I feel is inside me. and Yeah. It's healthy and nutritious and yummy. I love it. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite thing to make? I love to make soups. <laughs> I love them. What is it about soup that you love? Uh, I think I didn't like them much when I was a little you didn't. girl. And now I love them. <laughs> Just because, but who knows? Just because. Who knows? What is your favorite part about creating a meal or sharing the meal when you start to really kind of like think or feel into that? Hmm. I like to think what I put in out there Mm -hmm. is what I would take for myself. Right. That is is made with love. Yeah. And you are going to enjoy taking every bite of absolutely and so you put that into it mm-hmm. i love that thank you those are very lucky customers to receive <laughs> that from you every single day thank you you're welcome and now you've come back home tonight <laughs> to edmonton you haven't been here for so almost two years since you left and it felt different you said it feels like home this is so surreal it is so surreal yeah it is uh, i have no words mm-hmm. it's 
I've been home, away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's like coming home. Yeah. I mean, and this house, your house, your home is home for me. Yeah. For so many reasons. So you know that saying, home is where the heart is? <laughs> Where's your heart? <laughs> my heart is here. <laughs> it's in Madrid. It's in Cáceres, Spain. It's in, it's in Victoria. It's everywhere. Everywhere in so many different places and so it's possible to feel this sense of connection or this sense of home in so many different places all at the same time do you ever get homesick? Mm, from Edmonton, yes <laughs> from Edmonton uh, uh, of, and from Spain and over yeah, yeah it's, it's different now mm-hmm. I know I get to go every two years and I'm okay with that yeah but you get homesick for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Your heart hurts a little. Mm-hmm. You need to get your fill. I know. And then go back again. Yes. Would you ever come and visit here in the summer when everybody's gone and away? No. <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> so home is where your family is. Okay, last question. I want to ask you about family. Yeah. Because you talked about it at the very beginning and you said something to the effect of, well, these are my soul family. Yeah. So... With respect to family, I mean, I talk about that all the time. I say that I have my, I have my blood family, mm-hmm. and I have my soul family, mm-hmm. and I believe that before we come here into this planet, that we have these very interesting contracts, these sacred contracts with each other, right? And we know when we meet certain people, whether they're related to us or not, that, oh, right, I have, I have some work to do with you, right? Mm-hmm. And then we also know when those contracts are up. Mm-hmm. It's like it's up, and whether they're blood family or soul family, mm-hmm. friend family. My question for you is this Do you, because you've had to learn detachment to let go of certain people, mm-hmm. do you have a harder time letting go? Oh God, I hope none of your blood family listen to this. <laughs> no, they're not going to understand. <laughs> they all speak Spanish. <laughs> but it's a very real and a very honest question. And I'll tell you after you answer why I'm asking you this question. Do you have a harder time letting go of blood family than you do of soul family or soul family than blood family? It's, it's a great question. And I'm going to be very, very honest. Um... I don't think I ever have a soul family until I was in Edmonton. Mm. So, yes, when I left Spain, it was difficult. But it wasn't as difficult as when I left Edmonton. Right. Do you remember the poem that I wrote, Riding Through the Mountains? Yes. The tunnel of life that I left behind. So Absolutely. It was really, really hard to leave a soul family. Mm Mm-hmm more than my blood family mm-hmm. I can say that yeah yeah yeah. just a different connection yes right a very different connection and I don't think that that there's a right answer or that there's a wrong answer there's certain people that I talk to that doesn't matter how negative or how abusive or just how unhealthy their relationship is with their blood family they continue to say well, I have to be loyal to them because we're family, mm-hmm. right? 
And so they continue to, to take themselves back into those situations instead of saying, well, maybe I've learned everything that I need to learn about this, or maybe I need to mm -hmm. do a little bit more learning here before I can move on from that. And then there's also people too that I hear say, no, I can let that family go, but you know, I belong to this soul family. And, and just so you know, like as a listener, <laughs> whoever's listening to this podcast right now is that the concept of soul family from my perspective isn't <laughs> like a cult where you have to <laughs> sign in and you can't check out again. My concept of soul family, and I think Belen's concept of soul family, are these deep, intimate connections that we have with others that we feel almost immediately. And it, it feels like a sisterhood. It feels like a brotherhood. It feels like, you know, we want to call them brother, sister, auntie, uncle, even if they're not that because they play such a, a close and intimate role with us in our lives. Absolutely. Right? And... I know for certain people it's easier, oh, you're not blood, I'm just going to quickly cut you out of my life. Whereas there's other people that say, you know, I feel a much stronger connection to this person as you were sharing, Belen, that it's harder, mm -hmm. it's harder to leave that. And sometimes because we aren't blood related and you don't have kind of that extra layer of obligation around it, is <laughs> you have to work a little bit harder. Mm -hmm at those relationships too but they're also i found the ones that are so worthwhile and fulfilling absolutely and oftentimes that is exactly our home and that is where our heart is at absolutely yeah awesome anything else that you want to share well thank you for bringing me here today oh thank you so honor i can't wait for tonight <laughs> can't wait yes so again we are going to in the heights tonight if you ever get the opportunity actually i just heard that tub it's been off broadway now for a couple of years but they're making a movie they're <gasps> making a big hollywood movie um the director's lynn manuel miranda who wrote and directed the broadway musical in the heights and i'm pretty sure he's got some a lot a lot to do with this hollywood movie and i think the timing couldn't be more perfect mm -hmm. for us to really sit and to get quiet, to put one hand onto our heart and say, you know, where is home for me? Where is home for me? And to spend time in those homes because half the time I feel that so much of our grief or our anxiety or our anger comes from being separated from home. It's that we're just simply homesick. We're just homesick. Mm -hmm. right? So where is home for me? Home for me is definitely with you wherever you are. <laughs> I love you and I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you. And I'm so grateful to all of our listeners on this podcast because even though we are not together in the flesh right now, is that through our commonalities, our beliefs, through our vibration is that we are all connected. And as Belen said, we're all one. We're all human and we're all one.